So I'm Sophia Paris, and I'm here today with my Auntie Juanita Mendiola. She's here from Tinian, and today we're going to talk about what it was like to go through Typhoon U2 on Tinian. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for being here. You're to talk very about welcome. Mm -hmm. um, it's still a very emotional thing for me, yeah. but uh, I'm so glad to be able to share it. Yeah, thank I'm sure you. a lot of people can relate. Yeah, to it because uh, the last time I experienced uh, typhoon was I was six years old. So I cannot really. Was that Kim? Uh, no, Typhoon Jean, 1968, oh. I think. Okay. And so, you know, I was six years old. I was the youngest. So I had my brothers, I had my parents, and they were really protecting me. This time around, it, I felt so alone. You had to be the protector. I had to be the protector. So it's kind of like, uh, it was just very daunting, uh, to say the least. But uh, it's an experience that I would not want to go through ever again. You know, it's, uh, it's totally out of this world. And uh, that's why now when I, <clears throat> when I hear about devastations, in other parts of the world, I am more sensitive. More empathetic. More empathetic. Before I would just say like, oh my gosh, you know, but it's such a distant experience. I was never mm -hmm. really a part of it. But this time around, I can almost, like when they called us up and they said that uh, Kutu, Chuk, was uh, almost totally demolished by Typhoon Wutip, especially because after Wutip left, the king tide came in, so ocean water uh, practically drowned out majority of the island. So kind of felt what they're feeling, you know. Yeah, you know what I found is when I talked to other people about you two that had never gone through something mm -hmm. like that, they expected to talk about it for maybe 20 seconds and move on. Because these things are unimaginable yes. until mm -hmm. it's happened to your home. But, uh, and I think that's one of the reasons why that uh, we're, we're still, we try to, but because people were so busy, I think they, they were hiding a lot of their, their distress behind, uh, or their emotional distress behind the need to recover. Right. So uh, they really didn't want to, focus on the, on the, the pain, pain and the, the, the fear mm -hmm. and the feeling of hopelessness, you know. And it's uh, so they didn't really want to talk about it. But now that, uh, you know, I'm beginning to discuss this with other women, other people, what their experiences were, uh, it became, that's when you see all the emotions coming out. Then you see the laughter because of all the crazy things that they had to do or they thought they needed to do. And mainly I think it's because uh, they didn't, they never had this experience, you know. Like my sister-in-law, they ran into the bathroom, they put the futon inside the, the tub, put the three kids in there, the twins and uh, the older child, I think, Four years old. The oldest one was four. Four, okay. and then the little, the two ones were two years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when the house started vibrating, they didn't trust that they would be safe in the bathroom. 
And imagine that they were in the center of the house mm -hmm. and they were protected by another wall of concrete outside it's for the hallway, mm -hmm. but they just didn't trust it. That's how uh, vicious this wind was. They felt that impact inside that, that cent the center. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, so they put all the kids underneath the blankets and the pillows and then uh, they were so afraid that, uh, you know. They the just covered kid, the kids yeah, with blankets. They covered the kids, but then it was getting hot and the kids were trying to pull themselves out. <laughs> just the, sit on the kids right now. <laughs> so the, her, uh, the mother jumped into the tub and sat oh, on top of the kids. The tub. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes the kids and then a mattress mm -hmm. and blankets yeah. Yeah. and then the mom. Yeah. <laughs> because the kids were trying to pry themselves out from underneath all those piles because they were getting hot. But, you know, and imagine staying there for like five hours at minimum. Wow. And that, this was the second uh, when, after the eye passed. That was the worst part. The oh, first was part wasn't that, you know, you can, you can feel it. You, can, you could feel it, but it wasn't as devastating. Uh, there was... There was no fear factor. It was just mm -hmm. like a, just wind and, you know, you can hear it. And you, you can hear the debris uh, flying away. But then the reality checked in when we saw the door just like poop. <laughs> your door flew off? Yeah, the, what was your yeah, experience? The, what the, at your house? We were looking, we were going like this and we could see the, the door kind of like trying to be pulled out. Like shaking yeah. the frame? And then... All of a sudden, it just flew off, and it ended up in the pig's thigh. You know, so <laughs> the the poor pigs were evicted out of their homes. <laughs> so that door flew. Yeah, and then we 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 ran to the to the door, and or what was left of it, and we took a board, and we took two three hundred pounds of toolboxes. Mm -hmm. But the next morning, when we woke up, the board was gone, and the toolbox were strewn all over the place all the the tools spilled out of that so and one was near the other side of the wall and then the other one is right near the door but it both were laying down so at some point something hit that yes. piece of plywood mm -hmm. so hard right two three hundred pound toolbox exactly and even the freezer and the refrigerator would tilt it it's crazy it was straight at the window mm -hmm. and then the next morning the refrigerator was going like this it was tilted. It, it was like, uh, yeah. twisted. Twisted. And the glasses all broke, you know, mm -hmm. so it was uh, scary. What and did you do when your door flew off? After like, that, mm -hmm. the eye came. Mm -hmm. So I went outside, and it was the weirdest thing. Because when the eye passes, everything calms yeah. down. Yeah, right? we were right in the middle of the eye, and I completely forgot that the 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 wind direction will switch around so we just stayed in that living room which pretty much protected us from uh the first round mm -hmm. because the wind direction was going uh was coming in from the north east side mm -hmm. so we were pretty much comfortable until we saw the, the door flew off the <laughs> <laughs> then we started getting excited and then not too long after that uh the the wind stopped, pretty calm. So I thought, oh, this is this is it. This is the, almost the end. So I went out, 
and I looked it up at the sky, and it's the weirdest thing. I've never seen anything like it, and I was, it was so eerie. The, the sky was cloudy. I mean, it was cloudy, and you can see the moon there illuminating, but everything around it was red. It's darker than... Like a sunset red? It's darker than the sunset red. It's, you know, we're, we're used to looking at that and say, oh, it's so beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. This is so eerie. I mean, it's so weird. And mm. I thought, I, this is not a good sign. No, so, it sounds ominous. Yeah, so I ran inside. And then I didn't want to talk about that experience because I, I didn't want anybody to think I'm weird right or mm -hmm. stupid or so making really up stories eyes, huh? yeah and then when I ran into Senator Singh he was telling me his own experience and he said he walked out pretty much probably the same time and I did that's like a 15 minute yeah. span right and uh what do you call it uh he doesn't li he didn't live very far from me maybe mm -hmm. if you took a car we'll get you there in two minutes okay you know so he he said he got out and then he looked at it and then he turned around and called his wife and said, this is pure evil. <laughs> you guys better get ready because this is not going to be good. So they ran and they moved from the living room because they were also in the living room. They moved from the living room and moved away from the wind direction. Mm. Because, and then when he came out and he saw the devastation, he said, that was bad. And it, he was happy that he made the right decision to move to back move because them. everything inside the house was very... He said it was strewn around. It's like somebody came in, uh, like the tornado came in and just twisted everything inside. Everything was topsy-turvy. Mm -hmm. So it was such a crazy experience, I swear. And uh, I was with my ex-ex, uh, mm -hmm. uh, my children's father. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, it was just you two in the yeah, house? Yeah, we were, we were the only ones in the house. So anyway, when I came back in, I told him, I said, we need to switch positions and hide between the china cabinet and the bed and put the cushion on top of us because it doesn't look like room? it's going to, uh-huh. This is not going to look, this is not going to be good. So he we hid underneath. Like a fort, basically. Yeah, right. And then we felt when it started to, to blow, we felt the, the, the strength of the wind because it was pulling the cushion off of us. And it's a king-size bed. Mm -hmm. Half of the cushion's still on the bed. Mm -hmm. The other half is, we're underneath it. Mm -hmm. And we're holding on to it, but we just couldn't hold on to it anymore. It was being sucked out. It's like 200 mile per hour wind. Yeah, right? so I, I told him, I said, hold on to my hand. And I forgot that he was real big. <laughs> and. Uh, the way he was crashed down, it was very difficult for him to just run right after me, right? Mm -hmm. So it was holding his hand, and I said, and I, I was counting the wind. Um, the my wind? dad was, was teaching me when I was little about counting waves. Mm -hmm. uh, that on the seven waves, it's mm -hmm. the strongest one, and then it recedes. Okay. So I was doing the same thing in my mind, thinking, I said, I needed to wait because I was afraid that if I opened the door, it might just fly out. To the bathroom mm -hmm. and it was very close so I just I, I opened I said when I say go follow me and then when I left I lost him I was in the bathroom and he wasn't there okay. and the door just shut let me it, okay <clears throat> let me see if I if I understand what you're saying so seven gusts of wind that's what like you're counting yes right mm-hmm 
and uh, and you're running from like this fort yes. to your bathroom, mm-hmm. and you're afraid that during the time that you run from I wasn't going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. That like something's going to fly out right. and hit you right. or something like that. Yeah. Because the, the, the seventh wave my father would say would be the highest mm-hmm. and the most vicious. Mm-hmm. So you have to wait. You have several seconds. You have to wait for that to go away mm-hmm. and then make your move. So I was really uh, listening to it. And then when I heard that last really strong gust, mm-hmm. that's when I ran. But I knew that if I opened the door, it was going to instantly shut. because oh, like it, the, yeah. the suction on the bathroom right. door. Mm-hmm. So, and I left him outside. So I said, I'm going to count again. And then when I opened the door, he was already getting ready. And he mm-hmm. launched right in there, but he forgot the blanket. <laughs> so we were in the bathroom. The water was about this deep. Oh because the, our window is not the conventional kind of vent window. Mm-hmm. It was quite big, so the water and the leaves and the wind is coming through so finally had to pull the curtains down and use that as a cover mm-hmm. but you know uh this is where the deep emotion comes in because i held him and <clears throat> the house was really vibrating and i said oh my gosh this is really really bad and i held him i said we're gonna be okay we're gonna be okay and in my at the same time i was praying to god i said Whatever happens, please save this man mm-hmm. because his children need him. Mm-hmm. You know, and then it's just like that calmness enveloped us. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, holding on to him like this, and that calmness was just something that I have never, 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 ever felt before in my life that serenity, tranquility. It was just like there's a protective shield over us. And where did it's, that come from? I have no idea, but whatever it was, it brought focus back. Mm-hmm. As this, this is Clarity. moment by moment time of thing, and you need to be very cognizant of your environment and just act. Don't think too much. Don't second guess yourself. Just move. Follow your instinct and trust that serenity that's near you. Just trust that you'll be okay. So after that, that's when... Everything, everything I did, whatever, if it was God, then thank God mm-hmm. that he was there. But that's when I found my focus and I said that recovery has no time to feel sorry. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Be grateful and go out and help everybody that needs help. And so I focused on that. And that took away a lot of the stress and, you know, but focusing in on that and I it's really funny because after we have recovered I kind of lost that connection mm-hmm. and I felt so sad mm. you know but every now and then you know when I really really think about it I feel it again but uh, it looks like I have to really focus and like meditate mm. to try and get that back but majority of the time, I feel the, the difference between Juanita then and Juanita now is that I am more focused. And there's no more emotional reaction. There's, it's just like, what do you need to do? Mm-hmm. Do it, you know. No time to, to wallow on anything or, you know, focus on anything that's not important. So it's a 
it's a growing pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I didn't know I could grow any older <laughs> than my body. <laughs> but I feel like I'm a thousand years old after this one. But it's a good thing. It really is a good thing. It sounds yeah. like it became a grounding experience. Yes. You hit it right on the nail. Mm. It, it was a grounding experience. Very. There's one more thing I wanted to ask you about. Mm -hmm. We talked about this earlier. Uh -huh. There's a, a woman that you know. She got a temporary roof after, mm -hmm. um, after the typhoon, built by CBs, mm -hmm. right? Yes. She came in. It was like the a, Tetris program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's having some issues with that roof, right? It's it's not just her. It's everybody. It's everybody that received the roof. Mm -hmm. They're having uh, leaking problems. Mm -hmm. But this one particular woman with her husband, they put the plywood on top and covered it with uh, tarp. Mm -hmm. But CUC will not connect to the weatherhead that they mm -hmm. have because they felt it's not safe. Mm -hmm. And then when you walked into their house, you could see the sky. <laughs> from one of the gaps there because it was already uh, so it's a pretty shoddy yeah roof. really mm -hmm. shoddy and the mold that's what's the scary part that's, of it yeah the mold was all over the the walls so when the MIT researcher came because they were contracted by FEMA to make an assessment of how they can improve on the like program aid after natural yes. disasters and so when she came she took a lot a lot of pictures and she's really really concerned about that mm -hmm. she emailed me and asked me if they if somebody came back to take a look at the house mm -hmm. never mind that it couldn't connect to the city power but they needed to get rid of that mold because uh, right. the lady was already developing uh, nasal issues like congestions problems. yeah and she said Symptoms that uh, of living in a environment full of black mold right exactly basically. and her, mm -hmm. her almost her entire walls were yeah see yeah. that's that's very concerning on one yes. hand obviously you know it's important for this community to feel gratitude towards the exactly aid that has been received but at the same time if that aid is carried out in a way that's also exposing people to black mold mm -hmm. or something then a change needs to be made yes right? uh, I mean we can be grateful receiving help but the person uh, whoever's giving the help it can't be that way you know when you're helping you're truly be, helping yeah. and you have to look at the the impact that mm -hmm. you're doing to those people and there <clears throat> there there was there's still some roofing tins there mm -hmm. there's still some materials there but they're all gone the the people who are supposed to finish off the project didn't finish it. There's many that still don't have their roofs. Right. So it makes me wonder whether FEMA is going to come back and build them another house or, mm -hmm. you know, concrete the top, the roof, mm -hmm. so that it can be mitigated and they don't have to worry about coming back to help any more people, right. you know? Well, there's certainly room for improvement, right? Yes, I mean, yes. If there's... Obviously, it's supposed to be a temporary roof. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if this were three years down the line, that's what you would say, hey, right. you know, I don't know why you expected this to last right. three years. But 
you can't expect someone that lives on a tiny island where it's very hard to ship materials yeah. to rebuild their house within this span of time. Exactly. And for black mold to enter into a household because of the way something was mm -hmm. built, like that, that concerns me to it, hear about. It is very concerning. And uh, I wish that if they had, if, if they had really thought about this, they wouldn't have just let them run through the program and just leave them up to it. We need to be more aware of what we need and we need to be more uh, aggressive, perhaps, mm -hmm. or assertive on telling them what we need. Like as a community telling the federal government yes. what's necessary, what, what's necessary to be done. Because mm -hmm. when I spoke with uh, one of the logistic coordinators, mm -hmm. he said that it's not FEMA's job to come in and, f and do whatever they think they need to do. The leadership needs to the come leadership from the community. The leadership needs to make the assessment mm -hmm. and then tell them what they need. Mm -hmm. If you wanted a wall, we'll build you a wall. Mm -hmm. But we need to know, you know, how these things are going to help you. Because we can't go into every place and, and decide for you. Because that takes a whole round yes. of assessment. And yeah. So what would you like to see? leadership tell FEMA next time because we it seems like these type of things it's not only the common. emergency preparedness that it's important mm -hmm. what is important is to focus in on how to recover mm -hmm. you know they need to know what needs to be done and what what's really amazing is Sudler did not was only four years ago mm -hmm. right Sudler was four years ago but nobody had thought of building uh, water tanks and work it into the infrastructure so that every household has water tank to live on. How many hours would you say you stood in line for water after? Four hours at minimum. Every day? Every day. So, yeah. you know, it's, That's messed up. it's a, the idea of recovering, mm -hmm. giving yourself a chance to have the minimal infrastructure for water and lighting. Mm -hmm. the, we are working on uh, two houses, mm -hmm. uh, and we've provided them with the solar panels, mm -hmm. and we're going to build them a tank, and mm -hmm. we're going to use that as a, as a, what do you call like it? Like a guinea pig kind yes, of? Yes, mm -hmm. to see how, and I just don't, I don't want the tank, the fiber tank by itself. I need to work it in so that a concrete wall is protecting that. That's really smart. And then if the fiber, gra if the fiber breaks, mm -hmm. you still have access to that water too. So yeah. we're trying to wait for this uh, guy to finish the engineering part of that. Okay. So well, as smart. soon as that's done, <clears throat> we're going to start working on building the first two tank to provide water. And we pick these families particularly because they lived above the water tank level. Mm -hmm. So even on a good day when the water is normally running, they still need the water pump. Mm -hmm. But even with the water pump, it trickles, you know. And having kids who are in elementary and junior high and high school, it's kind of like very difficult to try and get them ready in the morning. Yeah. So they can go to school. And once they're all teenagers, <clears throat> oh my God, there's some teenage exactly. girls in there. That's going to be rough. There is one junior high school, and then the other mm -hmm. one is the the boy is a high school student. Mm -hmm. So. It's, you know, it, it's, it was a nightmare for them. But mm -hmm. the, hopefully this will take off the ground 
and mm -hmm. maybe shed some light and uh, hopefully the leadership will take over and make sure that eventually every house, new house that's going to be built, they should be required to build their tent, I mean their tank, mm -hmm. so that they can at least have water to survive within a couple of weeks before they hook up to city water. Right. You know, it's a, it's, it's a shame that we get comfortable right after recovery, mm -hmm. and there is no, we forget to that, prepare for the to next prepare one. For the next one. Mm -hmm. And so we failed in that respect to see how we can better assist the people. Mm -hmm. Because as it was, what's really sad was they had FEMA, they have, uh, what do you call it, SBA, they had Red Cross, they have the mayor's office, they have all these things going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you see these families lugging around their children trying to get water and get food at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I really don't understand why was it necessary for them to come every day and pick up food mm -hmm. when they should be going out and trying to figure out how to live, survive, and everything mm -hmm. else. But they're required to line up in the hot sun trying to get their breakfast, then come back for lunch, and then come back for dinner. Yeah. So I, that's when I fail to understand because we've been through these disasters mm -hmm. since forever. I think on this island it's always happened. But why do they see the need to make it more difficult for the people who are suffering? Yeah, why not give like a week's worth right. of supplies? Right, give them a week's worth of supplies and, uh, you know, let them, allow them to go back and resume uh, trying to salvage whatever it is that's left mm -hmm. that they can salvage. But majority of the time, they're so consumed with just trying to get to the things that they need. And that the most difficult part was the gas stations were broken. So for almost two weeks, people were afraid to use their cars because uh, they might run out of fuel. Mm -hmm. You know, and then sometimes, like, they will... There was this uh, one family that said they went to get water. Then they asked the person there in front of them if they can just leave their tank with them mm -hmm. so they can go get the food because mm -hmm. uh, there wasn't enough left over from the morning ration mm -hmm. for the, the kids. So she left her tank with them, but then she was trying to find the guy. That <laughs> she was trying to find the guy that mm -hmm. took her tank. And she couldn't find him. Oh, no. <laughs> and so she just stayed at home because she was, she couldn't drive anymore because she was afraid that her ta her gas tank was on the red. Shoot. So, the guy came back, you know, came to her house. Oh, that's good. And brought the water, and he was mm -hmm. apologizing that you know he had to go deliver other water too because mm -hmm. he wasn't just carrying water for himself. He was carrying water for other families that didn't have cars. Mm -hmm. So that in, in that respect, what uh, the most grateful part of this is the, the change in the community where everybody starts pitching in and mm -hmm. they become more human, you know. The, they're more concerned about their neighbors, they're, you know, there's no... Whereas earlier on, I had this uh, this idea that uh, we're shifting from a tight community to a loose community. Mm 
-hmm. where everybody's just into their own projects, into their own lives, their own, and they're more concerned about themselves and the community. Mm -hmm. But after the the YouTube, I saw the change, and you can really see people pulling together, helping each other. You know, mm -hmm. and I really like that. I I like that it was happening. I saw the same thing. Yeah. Really inspirational mindsets from people who are dealing with their own burdens, yes. you know. Mm -hmm. And is, uh, I guess at some point in our lives we realize that we, there's so many things that we just can't do just by ourselves. Mm -hmm. We really need to reach out to each other and help each other and it makes life so much easier. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed too was that in our high school students, especially our, our uh, volunteers, we, had, we got like 12 volunteers. The eight were very consistent. They, they will come, they will work with us, and every time we need them, they will come help. But there's this one girl that says that it is the most humbling experience and it made her realize just how fickle her mind is sometimes because mm -hmm. she's more concerned. It's like if she didn't have her little gadgets, she's practically going crazy, you know. Mm -hmm. She's demanding on her parents to help her do this, do this, do this. But now after this one, and she saw how difficult it was for her parents to, you know, to try to make sure that everybody's secure, everybody's okay she realized that uh, none of the things she thought was important were important anymore. Mm -hmm. So, and I, oftentimes when they're distributing, I said, just grab something to eat because it's almost lunchtime. You can take a break and you can just eat. They didn't want to touch the food. Mm. They want to, it's okay, we have food at our house. We'll just give this to, because uh, our target was the elderly and the children. So mm -hmm. they want to make sure that everybody got before they even thought of themselves. Mm -hmm. Even like when we received the FEMA uh, camping pad for people that didn't have beds or futons in their tent, we started issuing that out and I asked them if they needed one. I'm sure they did, but they just didn't want to take it. And it's, that kind of witnessing that was very humbling. Mm -hmm. I, I said, I think we still have hope. We still yeah. have hope. We just need to uh, focus in and continue to culture it, right. continue to nurture it, and hopefully expand it. Uh, Deborah Fem Fleming called it uh, our awakening project. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're going to continue stoking that, and hopefully it will uh, flame brighter, yeah. you know, especially among the young children. Well, so what we did with our last uh, collections, we turned it over to them and told them to handle it. They will get to distribute. The youth. Uh -huh. And the so youth. they did it. I never went back to find out whether they did things wrong or what, but mm -hmm. I trusted them because during the time that I had them working with us, they're, the, they're just magnificent little creatures, I swear. <laughs> I, I said, oh my gosh, these kids are absolutely amazing. One instructions. Mm -hmm. and I didn't have it. to repeat it. The youth here really yeah. stepped up too. I was like amazed. Yeah. You know, I, like I worked with 500 sales and 
when everybody was living in the shelters, we would pick up the kids at the mm-hmm. shelters and take them swimming. Sometimes we'd have like, you know, like 40 or 50 kids just oh, swimming wow. at Pau Pau Beach. <laughs> yeah. And um, we had high school lifeguards there to help us like make sure everyone was uh-huh. safe. Because the kids were like five, oh, you know, wow. or like up to like, I think the oldest was like 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. And the kids, I would drop off the lifeguards afterward, and a lot of them lived in the south, which, uh-huh. was, which you know, got super damaged. Yeah. And I definitely dropped off kids at houses where, you know, they're there to clean up what's left, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. And there was never an attitude of, um, of despair, at least that yes. was traceable to me. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, my house was destroyed, and then I just volunteered to help everyone, and yeah. now I'm going to go clean up. The rebel, you yeah. know, it was just like so positive. Like, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, so I've, I've been amazed at the youth in this yes. community after you too. Uh, when we had our lunch, uh, majority of the, the kids who were in a mock trial, uh, or what's that, junior statesmen, and various other groups, they all came out and they they pretty much just took over. Mm-hmm. All I did was make sure it's set up right, brought the, I, logistically, brought the tables, brought the food, and that's it. The rest of it, the raffle, mm-hmm. they handled it all themselves. They they're they're just amazing little kids. I swear. I said I wish I was able to think like you when I was that young. <laughs> And they thought that was pretty cute. <laughs> Antoinette, I think it's about time to, to wrap up yes. for this show. Mm. But do you have any like final thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, I just uh, wish that uh, we, could, we can take this opportunity to really sit down and make a realistic assessment so that our recovery period wouldn't be this long. Four months is a long time. So we need to to be ready that when we're going to receive assistance, we're already ready to tell them exactly what we need and how much of that we need. And then make sure that the materials and the supplies are available. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even if we're not dealing with the contractors, we should be aware of where these things are. Mm-hmm. And in case we don't get any help, we can do it ourselves. Right. You know, because we're already we already uh, figured out where the resources are, mm-hmm. and the only thing is we need to be ready to get them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I think I think that, and then and then sort of ironing out mm. a recovery plan for exactly. the next one. Yes. Like find like a fine-tuned all the details exactly. plan. I think exactly. those are both really good yeah. goals moving mm-hmm. forward. Yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your experience. You're welcome for having me. (laughs) We can talk more about this over beer. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Okay, thanks. Okay.